0: Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This message was given by Jonathan Anthony at our Buragoon campus. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Tonight, we are going to continue with our series on extravagant love leading up to Christmas, and I will be sharing with you from the writings of Zephaniah. Zephaniah is one of the 12 minor prophets and a lot of scholars have actually linked all the 12 minor prophets as a chronological sequence. And so therefore Nahum, Habakkuk and Zephaniah forms as one historical unit under the minor prophets. Zephaniah spoke during the life of the godly king Josiah. In fact some scholars actually kind of like asserted that uh, uh, there's a strong possibility that Zephaniah was the cousin of Josiah. Now we know that Josiah was a godly king and when he came into power he actually uh, reinforced or made some resolutions uh, and some some changes and some reforms within the people of Israel and within his kingdom. One of them is to remove idols from the temples and so that idol worship will stop and it will only just be focused on the worship of Yahweh. That was one of the major reforms that King Josiah did. And so the book of Zephaniah is divided into three different categories. So in ch- chapter 1, for example, verses 1 to 23, talks about the day of the Lord that Zephaniah was talking about. That It is going to come. It is inevitable. It's not like something that's not going to happen or it just all make believe. It will happen. And chapter 2, verse 4, specifically to 15, uh, it talks about the judgment against foreign nations. And of course, chapter 3, verses 1 to 20 talks about woe or curse and blessing. So that's kind of like the three divisions of the book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah warns the people of Israel and the people of Judah of the approaching invasion of their nation. And the reason for this act of judgment by God was because of the rampant idolatry in Jerusalem during the time of Manasseh. When it started, you can read it in Ezekiel chapter 8. Which is kind of like talks about that. The idol worship that was rampant in Israel. So therefore, Zephaniah was calling the people of God to repent. To come back to God. To return to God. Because God, Yahweh, and Messiah was their only hope. The love and the presence of the Messiah, God, Yahweh, their Savior, was their only hope. Because the day of the Lord is going to come, whether they like it or not, whether they believe it or not. The day of the Lord's judgment is going to come. And so Zephaniah used that present crisis of his time to foreshadow future events that's going to happen and that is going to take place. Because things were bad in Judah. Zephaniah pronounces and announced and spoke about God's judgment on the kingdom of Israel because of its political and religious leaders and its wealthy citizens who exploited the poor. Things couldn't get any worse for the people of Israel. The people had abandoned God. They had rejected his plan for their lives and they pursued their own personal interest with no regard at all. And so if you read the book of Zephaniah, it's very short, only three uh, three chapters, three quarters of the book really talks about the day of the Lord that is going to come and the judgment, which is basically the ramification of that, that is to come. And so it's all doom and gloom, three quarters of the book. But the exciting thing is towards the final chapter, especially in chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, kind of like provides this beautiful breather sense of hope and relief rather than all sort of doom and gloom type message. They know that God's judgment is coming because of their sin, because of their idolatry, because of their rebellion. And so therefore God is going to pronounce judgment upon them. And yet Zephaniah had a message of hope. You know, sometimes, friends, if we are not careful in our understanding of, of these things about the judgment of God, about the, the punishment of sin, and, and about the ramification and, uh, of rebellion and idolatry and all these things, we can come or fall into the danger and the trap of having a distorted view of God, His nature, and His character. It's very hard for us to say God is love And then we we look at the world and we go, why is there suffering? Why are there children hungry and dying? And so people have this misconception and distorted view of God. A Gallup survey was done in America, and they have identified four distinct views of God's personality and His interaction with the world. First is those who believe in an authoritarian God, with is about 31.4%. They perceive that God is angry at humanity's sin, engage in every creature's uh, life, and engage in the world affairs. And so we the, have this God that is just ready to, to strike us. 23% believe that the God is a benevolent God and He's forgiving and accepting of anyone who repents. And about 16% Believe of a critical God who's judgmental. I look out into the world and and not prepared to intervene or do something with what is happening in the world. And about 24.4% according to their survey believed in a distant God. Who is more like a, a cosmic force that launched into the world or flung the world into space. And just left it there spinning and left it on its own. You see, this survey tells us something about ourselves. It tells us that many believe God's interest in the world is largely theoretical and academic. And you know, if we're not careful, it's very easy for us to uh, have an understanding of God that really just stays in our head knowledge. That's kind of like almost just... All in fury in here about God. But when it comes to the practicalities of it, we can't kind of reconcile this understanding and this nature of God. Others believe God cares about us, but doesn't want to be involved in our everyday lives. And still others believe that God is distant and impersonal. In fact, there was a song that was very popular 20 years ago that says, God is watching us from a distance by Bit Medler. And it was very popular, and people think it was a beautiful song, that God is just watching us from a distance, and He's not interested in the little details of our lives. These are misconceptions of God's very nature and character. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world, and so then others beg the question, if God so loved the world, why is there suffering? Why are there women and children being trafficked? Why are there millions of children dying of starvation? And all these questions come up if God so loved the world. But tonight, what if I will share with you how much God loves you? How much God loves us? How much God loves each one of us? What would that mean to us? What would that mean to you? How would it change our lives and our understanding of God? So let's look at our reading tonight from Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, and let's unpack this affectionate love of God that Zephaniah was talking about, a really strong message of hope, and Rachel is going to read it to us. Rachel, please. Thank you. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart. Daughter Jerusalem, the Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Thank you, Rachel. This invitation to sing, to shout and rejoice in verse 14 has always been associated with worship in both Old Testament and New Testament. If you do a survey in the context of what is the context of singing and rejoicing in the life of the people of God, it's always associated with that. The people of Israel came out of Egypt. Miriam led the people of Israel with her tambourine in a rejoicing and a time of worship. When King David, the the Ark of the Covenant was brought back, David worshipped, danced before the Lord. It's always linked in this context of worship. And I would like to share with you three aspects from this text why worship is so important in nurturing our relationship with God and us experiencing His affectionate love for us. The first is that worship is a tangible response to redemption. Worship is a tangible response to redemption. In verse 14, the invitation to sing for joy, to shout in triumph, to rejoice, to exult and be glad with all your heart is basically an invitation because the people of God have been redeemed and rescued and been set free. Because of the redemption that God did for his people. Redeeming them from their sin. Forgiving them from their idolatry. From turning away from him and receiving them back. And so therefore, this uh, invitation to shout the hallelujah chorus and say, sing, shout and triumph and rejoice is an open invitation for a people who has been redeemed. And so therefore, if you want to demonstrate that you are saved, that you have been set free, that you have been restored back to your creator, the tangible response that you can do is worship. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for me. And that's exactly what Zephaniah was telling the people of Israel. This is what you have done. This is what God is going to do. He's going to forgive you and remove you and and, and take you back as his people. Sing, therefore, O Israel. Shout, therefore, O Israel. Rejoice, therefore. Be exalted. Be glad, O people Israel. It's not enough to just hear about the doom and gloom. I have an encouragement for you. Sing, It is a tangible demonstration to, uh, what is this, a tangible response to redemption. The prophet focuses on these exhortations of joy exalt, rejoice, sing, shout. Why? Because the Lord has issued a pardon and removed Israel's punishment and their sentence. Instead of judgment, Actually, God welcomed them back. And you can read that towards the, the final verses of chapter 3. What better response can we do to express our deep gratitude for the freedom that we have received from God. Other than to worship Him with gratitude. With our song. Luke 19 verse 40 says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones Will cry out. And that's Jesus speaking. You know, other cultures, the African, the Samoans, the Islanders, the Maoris, all these islander people, they actually have a song for everything. When someone is born, they just burst into a song. Langi is like going like this Langi and Matthew, the Samoans there. When someone dies, they have a song. When they have a good harvest, they have a song. They burst into a song. When they don't have a very good harvest, they have a song. They, that's always, there is always a song in their hearts as, as a response to whatever circumstances they may be facing. And you know what? When we focus on what God has done for us, I'm pretty sure that we cannot help ourselves but to respond in worship. In song, in rejoicing, in shouting the hallelujah, in shouting a a loud voice of triumph because of what God has done. What is the song of your heart tonight? What what, what are you excited about? Are you excited when when we all come together to worship the living God who is the all-powerful God? As a demonstration, as a response to what he has done for us? Or are we the kind of people that kind of like, I'll go in when worship is finished. I'll just go in for the message and that's my Sunday requirement. Or is it, are you excited? I can't wait. I don't want to miss worship. I want to be there. When the people of God worship together. There's so much power. When the people of God come together and worship the living God. That is exactly what Zephaniah was inviting the people to do. Sing, O daughter of Jerusalem, shout in triumph, rejoice and be glad. A.W. Tozer said, any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Why? Because worship is what you are going to do for eternity. And if you are already a walling worship, if you are already like, kind of like sneaking out for worship, you are not ready for heaven. The second aspect is this, that worship drives away discouragement and fear. Worship drives away discouragement and fear. Verse 15 and 16 says, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do not let your hands fall limp. Even if it is so tiring lifting up the name of Jesus, do not let your hands fall limp. That's what it means. The lack of fear shows their faith in God's word, God's love, and God's presence. That's exactly what is going to happen. So in the book of Zephaniah, the message is clear. God is for Israel. God has forgiven Israel with their sin and their iniquities. And it's detailed actually in the book. And and this God is going to drive out fear. So if God's presence is with you, there is nothing to be afraid of. If God's presence is with us, there is nothing to be afraid of. And so uh, Zephaniah was basically saying to the people, do not be discouraged. Do not fear because God, the mighty warrior, is with you and he's going to fight for you. You know the, the phrase mighty warrior is actually holy war language. It's not just like God is with us, God is with them. No, God is with you, people Israel, and he is going to fight for you. In life, we have so many battles and some of them are scary and we can be fearful. In some of those battles, we can be feeling like kind of uncertain about these different battles. It could be battles of issues of health, issues of finances, issues of relationship, or anything like that. And and, and then fear sets in, and then discouragement sets in. But let me tell you tonight that God, through the prophet Zephaniah, said that this God who forgave your sin... Is going to fight for you so you do not have to be afraid. So you do not have to be discouraged. So you do not have to be fearful of what is going to come. Why? Because he is with you and he is going to fight for you. He is a victorious, mighty warrior. You know, in this Advent season, Zechariah and Mary actually received the same message from the angel. What was the message to Mary? Fear not. Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary as your wife. Do not be afraid. Why? Because God will be with you. And that is the promise that was given to the people of Israel. God is with you. God is in the midst of you. God is going to fight for you. He is your mighty warrior. He is going to be advancing before you. What a beautiful picture and imagery is that. If we do a quick survey about the very presence of God present in difficult circumstances. God was with Joseph when his brothers sold him as a slave. God was with Moses leading out the Israelite people out of slavery from Egypt. God was with Gideon when he defeated the Midianites. God was with Samson when he tore the lion apart. God was with David when he slayed Goliath. God was with King Jehoshaphat. Fighting for them. God was with his people. And you see, Jesus is the New Testament fulfillment of this very promise that God, the mighty warrior, will be with you. John 1 verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And Matthew 1 verse 23 says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This prophetic promise in the book of Zephaniah, that the mighty warrior will be with you, was fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that this Messiah is going to come, will be with you, and he is your Emmanuel, and he is God with us. When Janelle and I were uh, in Zambia as, as missionaries, Something happened that changed the direction of our lives. We actually went thinking that we're going to be there long term. But something happened along the way that kind of shifted the direction of our lives. There was one day that we were driving up to our friend's place on a bumpy road that looked like a dried up river to a friend's lodge because we were invited to have lunch with them. On the way, Gabby just started feeling sick in the car. And the drive from the main road to this lodge was about 45 minutes because of all the potholes and like going over rocks and everything like that. And it took us 45 minutes. All of a sudden, she just became limp and drifted away. And we were so scared. Janelle was doing everything she can. Put a sour lollipop in her mouth. Wake up, Gabby, and all this. And the eyes just starting to roll. And as we arrived at a friend's place, I left and I ran up in the hills. And I said, can I please have some water, water, water? And as I was coming down, Janelle was carrying Gabby. And Gabby was all limp, eyes rolled up, and lips were so purple. As parents, we were very scared that we would lose her. She was only 12 months old. And as soon as I saw that, I bolted. I said to Janelle, get back in the car. And what took 45 minutes to go in, took me 15 minutes to go to the hospital. That's how fast I was driving. And when we got to the hospital in Zambia, and I'm not sure the other parts of Africa, if you present someone at the emergency with something, their first line of defense is always treat you for malaria. And so she was given a malaria antibiotics medication. And so she perked up for like one or two hours... And after that, she couldn't breathe, and then turned purple again, and all these other things. And later, we found out that she didn't have malaria; she had bronchial pneumonia, and her lungs was full of fluid. I couldn't sleep that night. I left Janelle and Gabby in the hospital, and I went home. And I was like, then questions started to arise in my mind. Lord, this is so scary. We don't want this to happen. We dragged this little child to our vision and our calling. This is not her calling. This is not her vision. We dragged her into this. And through the council, cut a long story short, through the council of other veteran missionaries who've been there 20 years, we asked for prayer. We, we prayed and fasted after that incident about the ramifications of that and what will it look like for the future. And I remember that prayer time in the morning with this lady and she said to us, Jonathan, Janelle, I feel saying this to you. Pursue that which is good. And what burst out of my heart when she said that was that Gabby was the good in our relationship. Not, not our calling, not our work, not all the things that we did for the people. Gabby was the good in our relationship. And because of that, we made the decision... To come back to Australia. We communicated our decision to our uh, mission agency. And they were very understanding and accepting. And that's how we came back in 2007. But during that time when we were there. We were sick every three days. At least one of us was sick. But we never felt abandoned by God. We never felt away from God. We always felt the very presence of God through the emails of the people who say they're praying for us. And the encouragement and the prayers of the people. Why? Because we know that they're praying for us. And we felt the very presence of God no matter what the circumstances were. Why? Because God Will be with you. Isn't that incredible? That this divine creator, powerful God. Is prepared to have intimate relationship and fellowship with us. And that is why he created you and me. And the entire creation. Because we were created for fellowship. Not separation. Sin separated us from God. Sin made all this mess. Why? Because we live in a broken world now. The broken order now. That is why we have all these things. But that was not the initial purpose and intention of God. What God desires is fellowship. And so brothers and sisters, we need not fear. Because the Lord promised that he is going to be with us. And we do not need to be afraid. And we do not need to be discouraged. Because he is our Emmanuel. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Go into all the world and all these things. And I will be with you to the very end of the age. Is it an incredible promise? The Bible starts with God and mankind in fellowship in the garden. And the Bible finishes with God and mankind fellowshipping in the garden. In Revelation chapter 19, 21 to 22. You can read it. The restoration of the entire creation. Because that was the purpose of God. And the third aspect of, of worship is that worship is God's response of love for us. Worship is God's response of love for us. In verse 17, it says, God is with you, Emmanuel. He is a mighty warrior. God delights in you. He will rejoice over you. He will sing over you. And He will rejoice over you with singing. This image shift from a a, a judgmental God, from a punishing God, from a a God who's prepared to strike lightning and, and punish His people. And now there is kind of like a shift of this imagery of a God who is excited about you a god who is kind of like ready to sing and shout and rejoice and worship not just for him but with you and with us what an amazing response i just see that as a really striking contrast of god's nature and character the word rejoicing is exactly the same words that's being used that as God expressing great jubilation. It's kind of like great excitement when, 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 when the music starts and then the intro starts and the first four, four bars. And I can just imagine God excited. It's like, my people around the world is going to worship me now. I'm going to sing with them. I'm going to be their backing vocals on the back. I'll provide the harmony. I will be there for them. And God gets really, really excited. And that's what Zephaniah wants to communicate across to the people. Rather than having this perception of God as a, a judge, as, as a you know, as a punisher, but Zephaniah wanted to put across this beautiful picture of a loving, affectionate God that loves you, genuinely loves you, and wants To sing over you, was to rejoice over you with singing. Human beings are not the only ones who are filled with joy, God too. Burst into a song. Why? Because of the relationship restored of the Israel. Because of, of, of the coming together and the acceptance and the restoration of this fellowship. And God gets very, very excited about it. Didn't the Bible say that even just for one soul that goes back and, and, and accepted into the kingdom of God, millions of angels, thousands of angels rejoice in heaven. And I'm pretty sure it's not just angels, but even God rejoicing with the angel, with every single soul that returns to him. Because he gets excited and he finds great delight in that. And so it is interesting to see that the last few verses of the book of Zephaniah chapter 3 have this shift of image of God. And in fact, if you continue reading all the way to the end, you can actually see that the the image changed one more time. It's not just like a worshiping God that burst into a song, but a God who is a shepherd and wants to gather his people again. That is the nature of God. He wants to receive us and give us a new name. That's how excited God gets when his people worship him. In Ephesians chapter 3, I want to read to you what Paul is saying about this love that God has for us. He said, I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, to understand, to perceive how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God as forgiving judge God as a savior, mighty warrior king. God as a tender shepherd. God as, as one who gets very excited in worship with his people. Depicts really the different characteristics and very nature of God. And if we only have this limited view of understanding about God. Then we actually miss out on the whole. We need to look at God from, from this perspective. Otherwise, we will have a distorted view, just like what happened to Martin Luther. That he was questioning of this vengeful God. And yet, he came to a resolution himself. And that is why he became the father of the Reformation. Why? Because of that revelation of the love of Christ. When the priest said, look to Christ You know, the only way that you can actually experience the genuine love of God is when we look to Christ. Amen? God gets very excited when people worship Him. If God gets excited with the whole creation, worshiping Him, how much more for you and I that have been gifted with the gift of language. You know, the trees of the field... It says, with their clap their hands. But you know, their clapping is actually dependent on wind. Trees and leaves cannot sway. They don't move. In fact, you can tell that there's no air at all. Everything is so still. Why? Because they are dependent on other things. But you see, with us, God has given us all that we need to be able to express ourselves and our gratitude to him. We don't need the wind. To blow our hands up. We don't need a conveyor belt so that we can go to the front or anything like that. No, we can actually make that choice ourselves. And that is the difference. Because we have the capacity to choose. Whereas the trees, they don't have. They just sit there waiting for the wind to blow. But human beings, we don't need that. We actually can make a choice and say, Lord, this is my circumstance but still, I will choose to worship you. Because I know that when I do, you get very excited. At the final season of Jaikin's soccer team, the under 12s, it was the final game. And their team was kind of already uh, number one in the leaderboard. And the very first goal, the very first goal of that final game, was kicked by Jaikin. Can you imagine how proud I was? He's been doing soccer for three years. He's never kicked a goal. And that very first time, I, I asked permission from Jaikin to say, can I share this story? And I was on the sidelines, and when he kicked the first goal, I was very excited. Nobody, I didn't need anyone to tell me, jump! I was just like, yes! That's my son, that's my boy. I was very excited. And you know what? They had 14 nil and they won the final game. How amazing is that? You know, when you truly experience something that is delightful, it will cause you and it will move you to do something without being prompted by the worship leader and say, sing out, lift up your hands. No, we just need to find that within ourselves and say, God, if the whole creation worships you, so will I. If the wind, the trees, the the mountains, the valleys, the waters will worship you, the rocks will burst into a song. So will I. Can you imagine if the whole people of God will just go, Lord, you deserve all honor and all glory and all worship. We thank you so much for your love for me. We just want to respond in worship and you know what in romans 5 8 it's very clear this is how god demonstrates his love he said romans 5 eight says but god demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners christ died for us are you questioning whether god truly loves you look to jesus look to jesus Are you questioning why there's suffering in the world? Just look to Jesus. Because even if there are sufferings around the world, God will be with you. What are you facing tonight? What problem, what difficulty are you facing tonight? Be encouraged that this God is with you and he is for you and he will fight for you and he loves you. Let's pray together. Oh Lord. Holy Spirit, I just want to pray that you will seek our hearts tonight, Lord God, and and just examine us, Lord. We want to present ourselves as transparent human beings, Lord, really visible before your very holy presence. And tonight, Lord God, we just want to come to you with our questions, with our uncertainties, with our discouragement, with all our fear. With, with all the struggles that, that we are facing in life. And Lord, I pray that tonight as we reflect on your word that, that may our hearts be um, reaffirmed one more time that you love us. And if we ever doubt that, Lord, lift up our eyes and Allow us to focus on Jesus and what he has done for us. And that will be enough for us. Because your word says that you have demonstrated your love in this. That while we were still sinners, Lord, Christ was prepared to die for us. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on nine three two nine one seven seven seven. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.